Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great day or a great morning and a great evening. And I hope you enjoyed this week as much as possible. We're in uh, unsettling times, but hopefully we're bringing some semblance of normalcy to it as we continue to bring you every facet of one of the most complex, impactful stories of all of our lifetimes, this pandemic. What are you doing at home? Why are you going to school? How are you pulling that off to the pandemic itself, the cures, the vaccines that could be down the pike? And by the way, can we talk about the subplot? The subplot, we're in the middle of a presidential election year, and we have two nominees, one of which is embroiled in a scandal. Today, there's going to be some action. We know that. At 11 o'clock Eastern time, there'll be a rally in front of the White House. Reopen America PAC. At 12 o'clock Eastern Time, Operation Gridlock in front of New York City City Hall. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, protests in California will go to Governor Newsom. We'll uh, urge him in Sacramento to reopen that state. Uh, some punitive uh, a hit uh, for those people in Orange County that want to go to the beach. It's the only beach locked down. Could it be a coincidence that it's the only conservative enclave or the main conservative enclave in the entire state? I don't think it's a coincidence. San Diego's open, Santa Monica's open, Malibu's open, San Francisco's open, but we have to teach Orange County a lesson. I've looked at the video. They don't need a lesson. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Uh, guess who's breaking his silence? Joe Biden uh, about the sexual assault allegations. Uh, his supporters uh, swimming through the ocean of hypocrisy and already said they believe him and not Tara Reid. Let's see how the Democrat handles his first crisis management. Number two. The FBI didn't follow protocols and went so far as to go and question him with a motive in mind. General Flynn has literally lost everything. It's wrong, it's corrupt, and someone needs to pay. Uh, Wow, that is Nikki Haley. Uh, Michael Flynn, closer to justice perhaps. We will tell you the new evidence showing he was set up as the best of the best way in on the fate of the three-star general. Number one. The fact that we're premising an enormously consequential set of policies that have shut down the economy mm-hmm. on that hope, we cannot wait to reopen the economy for a vaccine. We it's have to reopen crisis. the economy today. Uh, there you go. Avic Roy, uh, an expert in many places, reopening to a degree. Uh, this day in most states, we're seeing some openings in 18, I should say. Let's hope the long, range, uh, the long road to normalcy has begun with some states' stay-at-home policies staying in place and about nine states who never actually put them in place. Now, I'm going to talk uh, about China shortly, which almost made the big three. I got to tell you, I got Admiral Chavita standing by. 
I also have uh, Eugene Scalia uh, standing by. He's Labor Secretary. We talk about 30 million unemployed. What better guest? And Congressman Doug Collins wants to be the senator from Georgia winning in the polls uh, currently. How's it going in Georgia since they seem to have opened up first under great controversy? To me, you could uh, be just say, you could say Georgia's being uh, controversial, but you've got to say Colorado's been controversial. Uh, meanwhile, as we take a look at all the states and what they're doing, uh, the ones that uh, stand out, Texas open up malls, retail stores, restaurants, museums, Utah dine-in restaurant services available, salons, gyms can reopen, state parks can open. So Utah's pretty okay. Uh, Vermont farmers markets may reopen, that's odd. And in Virginia, elective surgeries, dental procedures may resume. Uh, Wisconsin, some state parks. But a lot of people are getting upset that this thing is open up too slow and it's too broad-based. Like Gretchen Whitmer continues to extend the reopening, cut three. I don't know of any other legislature in the country that is just deciding to declare that the global pandemic that killed 106, 103 Michiganers since yesterday is over. It is not over. We remain in a state of emergency until the order is rescinded. Uh, she's uh, loving this power, uh, Gretchen uh, Whitmer, and they did uh, their state legislature came together and let, voted they should reopen. But she made it effective through uh, May 28th. Uh, good job. Gavin Newsom. I'm going to close all the beaches. Better yet, I'll conserve. I'm going to close Huntington and Newport Beach. I'm looking at this video. Police look at the video. There really wasn't a lot of violation of social distancing. If you go down with a person or a family, you can stay with them. I don't know if you heard it, but they're actually seeing each other in the living room and the kitchen, too. So Governor Newsom decides I'm going to shut down Orange County beaches. Cut four. So we're going to do a hard close uh, in that part of the state, just in the Orange County area. Specific issues on some of those beaches have raised alarm bells. Uh, People that are congregating there that weren't practicing uh, physical distancing. So we're going to have a temporary pause on on the beaches down there. Really? Well, the Newport Beach Police Chief John Lewis and Fire Chief Jeff Boyle said in a statement Thursday that they were patrolling last weekend and most city residents and visitors were keeping their distance. Quote, what we observed from land and by air was the vast majority of beachgoers practicing social distancing. Lifeguards and most people appeared to be heeding social distance rules. What are you talking about? That's why the city is legally challenging Newsom's beach closure order. The Huntington Beach Council voted to pursue legal challenge. Good job, guys. We're all in this together, except, of course, if you're playing political games. And Governor Newsom, who goes out of his way to make sure it's a sanctuary state, that illegals have a place to go and a place to work, now is showing his political side again. Uh, For one that is opening up and leaning forward because there's so much at stake, Governor Brian Kemp, cut nine. We will extend the shelter in place for the medically fragile and the elderly to line up with that. That'll go to June 12, 2020. Uh, Businesses must continue to operate under the current scenario we have with strict social distancing and sanitation rules to protect the customers as well as employees. That'll go through May the 13th. I think he's been fine. I thought Kemp's doing, he's taking a leadership role. I don't think any other state is really that far behind him, the ones that are leaning forward. So I hope everything works out, especially we got WSB out there and a few other great stations in Georgia. Uh, and hope everything works out for us because we have to stand up the economy. There's a downside to being too safe. We have to take some risks and, as, uh, and taking risks with the right people that are not outright more susceptible 
uh, to this virus. So the other big story, because I don't want to take too much time away from Admiral Stravitis, because I got to talk about what's happening with China with one of the most respected military people in the entire nation. I have to talk about, too, what's happening with the Michael Flynn thing. I know Michael Flynn as much as I could over the last two and a half years, read his book, got a chance to know him. I know he's a great person who doesn't mind uh, ruffling feathers and he's blunt talking uh, in a patent-esque way. And there's no doubt about it. In my mind, he was set up uh, by the FBI who wanted him out directly. So there's new evidence coming forward that they were about to close the case. And guess who comes in and says, leave it open? Peter Strzok. Guess what memo comes forward? Here, CH team conducted a check of logistical databases. They're looking, this is a, uh, a memo in Crossfire Razor. Crossfire Razor was the name to take down Flynn of the operation. So here's the memo. I'll give you an excerpt. The CH team conducted a check of logistical databases for any derogatory information on Crossfire Razor. No derogatory information. They're about to let him go, right? Peter Strzok comes in and says, hey, don't close it. For those people who see the agenda, how uh, Comey was bragging about trying to capture him with he wasn't ready without any attorneys before Reince Priebus took place, that they never were able to do this in the Bush and, and Obama administrations. Now, all of a sudden, there's some pushback in the Washington Post. There's some pushback uh, in the New York Times among Andrew Weissman, who really worked for Mueller and it pretty much is uh, pit bull. He says all this evidence that he was set up, the memos that were released don't mean anything. Cut 21. I was in the Department of Justice for over 20 years, and I think the way I look at this is is from the parochial point of view of what I think the department is doing, which I think the um, department is trying to soften the blow and make it politically easier for the president to pardon uh, General Flynn. Um, the disclosure of uh, documents from a purported neutral team that is reviewing the Flynn case seems um, kind of laughable uh, to me. Laughable, right? Because it's not you, Andrew Weissman. You wasted everybody's time and the taxpayer dollars in the Mueller investigation. You knew he was not giving away the farm with the Russians. Did you watch him in action? Did you see what he's done? KT McFarlane was the deputy until she was ousted too and targeted, and she believes she knows why. Cut 31. What's the end result of all of this? I mean, why are they doing this? Why do they think they can get away with it? They were desperate to stop Flynn because Flynn had a plan to reorganize the intelligence community, all 16 agencies, reform it, streamline it, reduce it. They had to take a preemptive strike against Flynn before he could go and start carving up their old their fiefdoms. And that's one of the major motivations, in addition to trying to get Trump. You know, Flynn and I were collateral damage. We didn't matter. He was DIA director, and uh, Obama didn't like the fact that he was very critical of the passage of intelligence from uh, Central uh, CENTCOM uh, to the White House. He wanted to restructure things, hired in 2012, fired in 2014 by Barack Obama, who seems to be obsessed with Michael Flynn. I want to see the next chapter here. To say it's laughable, it's because it's not your life, Andrew Weissman. You blow up other people's lives. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by Admiral James Stravitas, and we're going to go with Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia, uh, and then we follow up with you. Big show, don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. As the world battles coronavirus, China is expanding and cementing its influence across the globe. The Chinese Communist Party is exploding the world's focus on COVID-19 crisis by continuing its provocative behavior. In Hong Kong, scores of opposition figures have been arrested over the last couple of weeks. It's the biggest roundup in recent memory. Leading activists, high-profile former lawmakers and a media tycoon all locked up. In the South China Sea, the Chinese have announced the formation of two new administrative areas, reinforcing their claim to an area of 1.2 million square miles, expanding sovereignty over disputed islands and making them effectively a district of China. Uh, a, a portion of Benjamin Hall's great report on Fox and Friends today, talking about what China is doing after causing the world, 184 nations, to be poisoned uh, with their virus. Uh, and of course, they paid a price, but we're paying a bigger one. So, are they using this as an opportunity to heal the world? No, they're looking to dominate the world. Let's see what Admiral James Chavitas thinks. Uh, his sailing true north is still out there. Also, AdmiralStav.com uh, is the ch- chance to follow what he thinks. Admiral, what's your reaction to China's, to China's actions? Well, Brian, let's start with what uh, the reporter mentioned about the South China Sea. I mean, this is truly outrageous behavior. South China Sea is the size of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea combined. And China claims it as territorial seas. It's outrageous. And what they've been in the process of doing is building these artificial islands. And what the reporter mentioned was now they're calling these artificial islands, which, by the way, are destroying the environment, artificial islands. They've got airstrips, tanks, missiles, and they're claiming that these are administrative units of China, kind of like uh, Guam or Puerto Rico in the United States. They're, they're saying they're not quite a state, but they're the next thing to it. So they're cementing these claims. And lastly on this, Brian, I'll tell you, it's been on my mind a lot because one of the U.S. warships that the administration has correctly sent into the South China Sea to push back on these outrageous claims 
is named the USS Barry. And if you look at my bio, you'll see that was my first command. When I was a young, uh, late 30-something commander in the Navy, I commanded the destroyer Barry. So I'm very proud uh, to see that ship part of these freedom of navigation patrols in the South China Sea. It's only one part of what China is doing globally to push on the rest of the world utterly inappropriately in the wake of this devastating virus. Which they caused. So, Admiral, you're probably not going to like this report. Uh, it turns out that China says it expelled the USS Navy vessel, Barry, uh, <laughs> from the hotly contested waters in the South China Sea. It said the USS Barry had illegally entered China's territorial waters. Uh, NBC tried to reach, I guess an NBC report, reached out to American officials who were not immediately available to comment. Uh, so... Barry has been confronted, and do you know, I don't know if you have a radar installation at your house, uh, do you know if this is true? <laughs> um, I am in constant contact with Navy officials, and if you go to the Twitter feed of the chief of Navy information, the head of our public affairs, uh, he tweeted yesterday uh, a picture of the Barry in the South China Sea, and the tweet was, sure doesn't look like expelled to me. So, yes, Barry is nice. doing her mission. We'll continue to do it. Um, we're going to see again and again uh, confrontations in the South China Sea. And believe me, the U.S. Navy is ready for them. So there, there's other reports, too. Uh, as you know, the European Union uh, was going to come out and condemn uh, Russia's actions, but China specifically in a missive. China got word on that. They put their diplomats in action and they told the EU uh, take out condemnation of our actions with the advent of this virus, and they did. So the U.K. has been uh, aggressive. Australia says we're doing an investigation. We obviously have been aggressive, but it's really important to work all our allies so they know uh, that we're in this together, right? And are we doing that? 100% correct. Um, I think you played a clip a few moments ago of uh, Secretary of State Pompeo. That's his job. I think he's doing a good job. He's out there on foot patrol. I, I can't remember the last time the guy was in the United States. He's out there talking to all the allies and pushing them hard. And we've got to do it because uh, Russia is going to obviously line up with China. That's the way uh, this century is unfolding. But um, the Europeans have got to stand with us on this. And I think over time they will. Give them a little bit more time. The Japanese uh, will stand with us on this uh, over time, certainly Australia, New Zealand. I think you'll see many of our partners and friends, not formal treaty allies, but partners and friends in the southern hemisphere as this thing really ramps up. Brazil, uh, India, Nigeria. South Africa, um, that pendulum of uh, disapproval is swinging against China. And uh, despite their efforts uh, to kind of buy support around the world, I don't think it's going to work because the, the economic consequences of this are just going to be extremely devastating, uh, particularly to uh, nations in the southern part of the world as the virus really bites down there. So, um, yes, we need to conduct a global campaign that says the following to China. Um, you have to open up. There has to be a, a, a full investigation, uh, combined investigation, fine, but we've got to have U.S., British, Australian representatives in this investigation. And you're going to have to come clean on what happened so we can avoid this happening again. 
And, and I'll conclude by saying if they don't do that, not only are they going to suffer over time a real fraying of their influence in the world, Brian, but I think it will give more headwind to this, uh, these conspiracy theories that, that China did this deliberately. I don't believe that for a minute. Absolutely. I think it was sloppy handling of some kind, or it might have come out of a wet market. But show us the facts, and then we can judge what's appropriate about what we should do next collectively. Gotcha. Admiral, thanks so much. Pick up Sailing True North. Uh, we'll find out with the next chapter. Admiral, thanks so much for being with us today. Always a pleasure, Brian. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want to make sure that if you lose your job because of mitigation, we want to make sure that you receive uh, 100% of your pay. But what we don't want to do in unemployment is to pay you more than you actually received when you were working. It is not good for the economy to pay people more not to work than actually work. And that's what we're doing. And this has become a magnet to draw people out of the workforce. We'll never have an economic recovery until we fix this. You should get 100% of your wages up to $50,000, but you should never be paid more in unemployment than your employer pays you. Wow. Uh, and that was a fear among people like Ben Sass and Lindsey Graham when we passed uh, the third rescue package, and it's coming to fruition, perhaps. But let's ask Eugene Scalia that. He's the United States Secretary of Labor. We always love having him on. Mr. Secretary, uh, thanks so much for joining us. What do you feel about what Lindsey Graham just said? Do you have that same concern? Hey, Brian, it's good to be back with you, too. Um, uh, of course, uh, Senator Graham is talking about the uh, enhanced unemployment benefits that uh, President Trump signed into law back in a uh, March under what we call the CARES Act. And as you know, it's a $600 weekly payment that people who are unemployed because of the virus will receive on top of what's provided by their state in unemployment insurance. And by the way, before I get to your question, let me say that as of earlier this week, all 50 states are now making that uh, additional payment available. The states, as you know, have some really antique computer systems which have presented heard, challenges yeah. for them, uh, but we are working with them and, and they're making progress in getting payments out. Uh, what uh, Senator uh, Graham identifies is a concern that uh, has been uh, voiced by others. It's critical for people to understand that uh, if you uh, have a job to go back to, uh, you, you, you should not be re remaining on uh, unemployment. You've seen uh, governors now beginning to reinforce that uh, to their uh, state agencies and, and to their businesses. Uh, unemployment is for those who, who can't uh, get a job. It, it's not for those who, who have a job, and the states will need to administer the program accordingly. So that's true. Uh, so out of all the states, what's the greatest challenge? I know in New York, I can't tell you how many people say I just still can't get through. It's not your fault. You just, you just got the job. You don't set up unemployment system in states. But what states are creating the greatest frustration for you, uh, Secretary Scalia? Well, uh, you're right that these are, these are state computer systems uh, and, uh, and the uh, 
the decision was made when CARES was enacted, uh, the administration did express concerns about how antique these systems are, but they're state computer systems that uh, have some challenges in, in processing the claims. Uh, Brian, I think we're seeing uh, progress on that front. The, what we're seeing is that the states are catching up. You're right. New York was one that, that had some problems there. Uh, I know that uh, uh, I believe early on Pennsylvania had some problems, but the, the, the states are catching up. We're doing what we can. We uh, have put them in touch with our uh, chief technology officer here at the Labor Department. And there's also uh, a special agency at the White House, the U.S. Digital Service, that we've offered assistance to all the states from the U.S. Digital Service. And uh, I think now more than 10 states are, are using uh, that support. Mm-hmm. By the way, just one funny story. I was talking to uh, one governor, can't recall what state, but they actually had to go to Latvia to find people who knew their computer program. The computers were so old. That, that's the part of what the states are dealing with right now. Unbelievable. Uh, hopefully it's a wake-up call and they'll be financing for this in pandemic aid and uh, everything you need to make sure that we don't get caught short again. So you did something really important. And every state, every, whether you own a dry cleaner or you own a series of restaurants, it's up to you to now all of a sudden make your place pandemic friendly. And a lot of us don't have that experience. You put together a 35-page booklet, Guidance for Preparing Your Workspace for COVID-19. I mean, for example, some businesses think they're most productive when they flatten out, get rid of cubicles, and put all the desks together. And they thought it was more great for productivity. That's not good in this era, correct? Well, uh an office that has a layout like that is obviously, in light of COVID, going to have to take a look at uh, precautions it puts in place. And as you say, we're, we're putting out guidance for a variety of industries uh, through the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. That's part of the Labor Department. It's working with the CDC to give guidance to businesses on steps they can be taking to uh, make sure workers are safe. And uh, we work together with CDC, uh, as well as the White House with respect to meatpacking. As you know, we had a real problem developing there, both a health problem and also a production problem. And so the uh, president has uh, ordered those facilities to stay open to protect the food supply. But we've uh, gotten together with CDC to give guidance on uh, how that can be done in a way that's healthy. And, uh, and as we get employee complaints, and we are receiving them, uh, we'll, be, we'll be investigating those to uh, make sure that workplaces are safe. Because that was one of the main reasons they were shutting down. People were getting infected in those situations. And we're looking at some video. The nature of the job means you got to be shoulder to shoulder. Is there a cure-all for that? Well, uh, one of the uh, ch- changes that we've recommended, CDC recommended, and that uh, the plants are making is to spread workers out. Uh, get them six feet apart wherever you can, where you can't. You're going to have to have more uh, protective equipment, you know, a, a face mask or a shield to be uh, extra careful. Uh, another uh, change we suggest, and it's being made, is I think what you were suggesting, like a plexiglass partition. So that's another precaution. But, Brian, I yeah. should make clear one thing. Um, obviously, this is an illness that can uh, occur in the workplace, manifest itself there. But sometimes what's happening is there are communities where there's a lot of spread, and that's brought into the workplace. And that was a, a big part of what we were seeing uh, with meatpacking. It was uh, back home. It was maybe even the commute in. So we need to look at those gotcha. sources as well. Wow. I mean, there's so many different things. As long as people understand, you're not going to get anywhere if we sit blaming and say, how could you? We're in such unprecedented times. And I think the minute people start approaching these rules and regulations as if we're on the same team, 
will get so much better, so much quicker. And I'm seeing that with a lot of Democratic governors coming to visit the president of the White House and vice versa, not with all. But I want to bring you to another big area. So I own a business and I want to bring my workers back and God forbid they get sick. All of a sudden they turn around and I'm getting a lawsuit, getting another lawsuit. Now you're forcing me back to work uh, and I, or else I'm not going to get paid. I'm going to sue you. So that's what Mitch McConnell is worried about. As much as we want to be on the side of the worker, we're not going to be able to stand up business if everyone's going to be suing each other. So listen to what he said. Well, we're open to discussing more money for state and local government. There was a huge amount in the, in the CARES Act already. Uh, but what I've said and what uh, apparently Schumer and Pelosi are unwilling to do or claim we shouldn't do is try to protect all the doctors and nurses and hospitals. And we need to be thinking about that the people who are going to fall under this avalanche of lawsuits, it's going to hit them uh, just as soon as the pandemic recedes. So and there's already seeing it. We're already seeing lawsuits come in. Is, is it as much you want to protect every worker? Is it necessary to get this liability insurance thing tucked away in order for the economy to start roaring again? Well, I want to pick up on a comment you made uh, just a moment ago, uh, Brian, just about the reopening. Uh, it, it is happening. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, uh, this is now you know, May 1st. The 45-day period we had is is now now passed. So I think there's uh, uh, good news on the horizon, and and we can make workplaces safe. I, I think there are some people out there that uh, maybe are uh, trying to scare people a little bit much. We, we, we know the basic measures to be taken. Uh, I was at a, a meeting at the White House with the president, vice president, business leaders Wednesday, hearing about some of the really terrific things that businesses are doing to uh, make sure their workers are going to be safe. And uh, I, I, th- there will be lawsuits. This is America. Uh, but I think as employers take the kinds of steps that we're outlining, uh, those lawsuits, uh, uh, as long as employers are taking those steps, th- those lawsuits won't be meritorious. And uh, I-, I understand uh, Leader McConnell's concern. He's been uh, so terrific in uh, helping us uh, uh, deal with legislation on the, on the virus. Uh, so that's an issue to be taken a look at. But, but I, I, I don't think that uh, we want people to be alarmed about returning to work. Uh, the steps to take are known. We're continuing to get the more word out with CDC, and uh, we'll keep people safe. Okay. Now, about the numbers. We have 18 states that are moving. We had not uh, moving into opening up their state to a degree. And then we have nine that never really had the shelter-at-home policies. When could we start stop the bleeding in terms of jobs? We're at 30 million unemployed right now. What is if I was to open up your secret file that showed what your projections and <laughs> hopes are? What would it say in the secret file, Secretary Scalia? Hey, Brian, the file's secret. I can't tell you that. No <laughs> kidding. Just um, between us. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, just the two of us. Um, well, uh, you mentioned 30 million. We announced that earlier this week. We're now at 30 million Americans that filed for unemployment, which is just so hard to say, hard to hear. And, um, you know, we, we, we know uh, how difficult it's been. A lot of them are people who never filed for unemployment, never thought they'd do it, but, but you know, felt they needed to now. Um, but the, the good news is that, as you say, places are reopening and governors that have been working hard to uh, get unemployment payments out 
are, are very soon going to be wanting, working hard to make sure that those same people are, are going back to work. This is the, the point Senator Graham was, was making earlier. Uh, they'll want to be working with the state agencies to uh, reconnect uh, workers uh, with their employer. Uh, this Paycheck Protection Program, uh, I think, will help with that. And um, uh, so I, I think we uh, are, will be seeing a turnaround uh, of employment soon. There, there's still going to be unemployment filings. There are shock waves that, that will happen. Uh, we're seeing that. Um, but these numbers, as large as they are, Brian, it, they didn't come about because there was a, a, an underlying fundamental weakness in the economy. They came about because of uh, state orders to yep. close workplaces. And those orders are slowly being uh, pulled back. And, and workers are, are, are coming back to work. So I, I do think we're starting to turn that corner. All right. Uh, you got one of the hardest jobs around. People really count on you. Uh, Secretary of Labor, Eugene Scalia, thanks so much. Brian, thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. Uh, coming up next, Congressman Doug Collins. He wants to weigh in on China, uh, Joe Biden's comments, and his quest to be the next senator from Georgia. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What they did to General Flynn was a disgrace. Well, it was a total disgrace. It's shocking. Bring him back into your administration. Well, I think he's a fine man. I think it's terrible what they did to him. It's something that nobody's asked me, but uh, you're asking me for the first time. I would certainly consider it. Yeah, I would. Uh, really, the president yesterday, as more revelations come out about notes were taken from FBI agent to FBI agent to target Flynn, I believe, set him up. And then you have Peter Strzok when they said they found nothing, uh, came out and basically said, keep it open. And they did. They got their interview and then they got their man. But now they may be facing justice. Join us now is Congressman Doug Collins, always like the congressman on. He's also campaigning somehow in the middle of the pandemic to be the next senator from Georgia. Congressman, your reaction to the president's statement there. Uh, I know what you think, but what do you think we've learned over the next few days, over the last few days, that may change that judge's mind? We've now, I think, Brian, it's good to be with you again. This is something we've been talking about a long time. What we have now seen is what we've been talking about for several years now is that we actually are showing proof. We're actually seeing Sidney Powell, uh, General Flynn's attorney, did a great job of pushing this issue, getting this stuff uncovered. And frankly, Attorney General Barr, by appointing uh, another U.S. Attorney Jensen to actually look into this, has forced the hand. We're seeing notes now that we're, we've talked about all along, that Comey and Strzok and McCabe and Page, all these were corrupt, and that they were doing things off book. Well, now we actually can see that they were actually a plan behind. It was not just off the cuff. It was not just... Hey, what this happened is a mistake, as, as the liberal media said. Oh, it was just uh, you know a mistake or, or indiscretion. No, they're not. This is a planned attack on the president of the United States through General Flynn. Did it when he was a candidate. Did it when he's president. And now these notes show that that's what I think is going to you know play heavily on the judge, and especially when his previous attorneys also didn't turn over these Brady kind of materials. This is what we've been arguing about the entire time, and it shows that we've been right. 
basically, uh, the FBI memo on Crossfire Razor, which is targeting Flynn, January 4th. Uh, the CH team conducted a check of logistical databases for any derogatory information on Crossfire Razor, I mean Flynn. No derogatory information was identified on the FBI holdings. Peter Strzok would text later to an unknown person, same day, hey, don't close Razor. A few days later, they had the interview, they got the information, they never tell him, they got the tapes. They didn't do, they treat him like they would treat a mobster. They didn't do him like they would treat anybody. They treated him in order to entrap, use leverage, and get him out. Completely. I mean, what we always see here, this is something for everybody to remember, because it's easy now when we're dealing with a lot of other things. Let's go back and review here. Remember McCabe. Remember the interesting party here. McCabe was written a memo. He was the one to smooth it over with Flynn to have the, the interview done. This is a man who lied to his colleagues. He lied to his colleagues and was fired because of it, but yet was never charged. Flynn was never charged with Russia collusion or anything else. He was charged with lying on a setup. Now we know interview that from James Comey, Jim Comey's position uh, said I could get away with it, but just because I could. I mean, if that's the most arrogant, shameless position I've ever heard in my life, that to put this into context, the the man who proclaims himself to be Superman, Jim Comey, said I used my position to get at somebody knowing that I could simply because I wanted to further an agenda with Struck and Page and the rest. But when it gets to the point of when you understand why this happened, if it can happen to them, it can happen to you and me, Brian. And that's what's got to be out there. A, this has got, we have got to formalize ways to get this stopped. All right, so there is a, uh, a vacancy in the Senate seat. Kelly Loeffler was given that, uh, given that by Governor Kemp. In terms of polling right now, uh, Doug Collins, you lead in the in the poll with 29 percent of the vote in Georgia, uh, and the Kelly Loeffler and the Democrat are tied beneath you. Uh, Georgia is a changing state. Why do you think that you're you're leading despite the fact that Governor picked somebody else? Well, we're also leading despite the fact that Senator Loeffler spent over 11 million dollars attacking me and trying to promote herself. Uh, this is not just nobody not know, knows, does not know who she is. They know who she is, and they just choose uh, because we have been the ones that have been fighting for them. We're the ones that actually have a clear, coherent message on how we actually work to take care of our constituents, but also to support the president, to support our, our ticket. And we've been going around with a message of conservatism that can actually resonate with people. And, and that's what we've seen all along in this uh, uh, discussion, and it's actually shown out on this poll. And among Republicans, we're up 62 to 18. Um, and our understanding, you you can't, I mean, you can spend all the money you want, but when you have unfavorable ratings of negative 28, people are just not resonating. How's Georgia doing? We only got a minute left. How's Georgia doing since Brian Kent made the bold move to open up the state? The state's coming along. I mean, there's certain areas that still have uh, some concerns. My area up in here, we're still seeing some rising, but people are slowly but surely getting out. The stay-in-place order it lifted last night. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of time before people are, are very uh, just openly ready to go out. But uh, we are moving forward, and we got to get the economy open back up at some point. Yeah, life is not without risk, and Georgia's taking the plunge. The country has got to get going again uh, while being responsible. Uh, Congressman, have a great weekend. I know you don't take any time off, but I know you'll be working through it. Congressman Doug Collins, appreciate your time. Brian, thanks so much. Take care. You got it. Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com. Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, now available for young readers. And Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, coming out on paperback May 12th. Uh, Pre-order it now. Don't move. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to talk to Araldo shortly, and the current senator, uh, Kelly Loeffler, will be here. We're also following some breaking news, and that, of course, is Joe Biden speaking out for the first time on sexual assault. We'll be covering that. Uh, we also have a series of protests scheduled sometime within this hour. Uh, we're going to be protest in, in front of the White House to reopen the state. Uh, in Maryland, there's going to be protests. There's going to be protests, big protests in Michigan as well. And there's very angry people using the legal, uh, the legal venue uh, to reopen the beaches in Newport and Huntington Beach. Out of all the beaches in California, let's just punish those who happen to be in a conservative enclave. Good job, Governor Newsom. So we're following a lot of that as this country on May 1st begins to reopen. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never (laughs) happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Uh, there is Joe Biden. We'll give you some more of his denials and talk about that with Geraldo. He breaks the silence about the sexual assault. His supporters swimming through an ocean of hypocrisy have already said they believe him. Really? Over Tara Reid? Wow, fascinating. Let's see how the Democrats handle this crisis management moment. Number two. The FBI didn't follow protocols and went so far as to go and question him with a motive in mind. General Flynn has literally lost everything. It's wrong, it's corrupt, and someone needs to pay. Uh, That is Nikki Haley. Uh, She knows how it works. Uh, And she also is very disturbed at what happened. Michael Flynn, closer to justice perhaps, will tell you the new evidence showing he was set up at the best of the best way in, including with Geraldo, on the fate of the three-star general. Number one. The fact that we're premising an enormously consequential set of policies that have shut down the economy mm-hmm. on that hope. We cannot wait to reopen the economy for a vaccine. We it's have to reopen crisis. the economy today. Uh, there you go. Reopening to a degree. Day, uh, this is a reopening day in the United States of America. Let's hope the long road to normalcy has begun. And with that, let's bring in Geraldo Rivera in Ohio, where your governor, who was one of the first to crack down, it also said some kind of interesting, Geraldo. Do you have to wear masks? It's up to you. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the strong social pressure, uh, as I take my bicycle around, I wear my bandana, I don't want to get stared at. Uh, but, but I think that that's fine. I also uh, note that Governor DeWine is probably the most popular elected official in the country today because of the early steps he took. Uh, he has just extended to May 29th many of the uh, of the restrictions on life. I've offered my uh, listeners on my little local radio program uh, that I'd buy at Harbor Inn, my favorite dive bar, uh, on the day those restrictions were lifted. Brian, I'll have you uh, uh, at least uh, come in by remote. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. 
one thing, one way or another. So the other story that happened while we were on the air, it uh, looks like Senator uh, and for, former Senator and former Vice President Joe Biden is finally addressing allegations that he sexually assaulted in 1993 Tara Reid. He's been ignoring it, leaving his surrogates out there to answer those questions and anchors to, to not ask the questions on many cases. So here he is with his explanation. Cut 32. Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Do you remember her? Do you remember any, any types of complaints that she might have made? I don't remember any type of complaint she <clears throat> may have made. It was 27 years ago. And uh, I don't remember, nor does anyone else that I'm aware of. And uh, the fact is that I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember any complaint ever having been made. Okay. So far, what's your take on that? Well, I think that it is very sad to me, but I have no doubt that that to the vast majority of people watching Tara Reid, watching the former vice president, uh, that whether or not you believe her has everything to do with whether or not you intend to vote for Biden or for Trump. Uh, It is seen through the prism of politics. Uh, It's not about credibility. It's about... Uh, partisanship and rooting uh, for one side or the other. It's very clear that the women's, uh, uh, well, not the women's movement generally, but the Me Too movement and the uh, the activists uh, who so chopped up Brett Kavanaugh, r- ruining his life in some ways, uh, they, they, were, they had a political agenda as now revealed by their equivocal or their lack of uh, firm belief in the accuser in this particular instance. They want to believe, uh, you know, Christy Blasey Ford. They don't want to believe uh, Tara Reid. So that's where it stops. It stops at the political uh, uh, line. It doesn't go into the veracity or credibility of the, of the witness. They continue with this line of questioning. Uh, cut 33. I'm confident there's nothing. No one ever brought it to the attention of me 27 years ago. This is any assertion at all. No one that I'm aware of in my campaign, at, excuse me, my, my Senate office at the time, is aware of any such uh, request and, uh, uh, or any such complaint. Uh, and, uh, and so the, I, 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 I'm not worried about it at all. If there is a complaint, that's where it would be. That's where it would be filed. Well, uh, he also urges uh, them to go to the National Archives and look up if there's anything has been filed uh, before in the past. I think that's preposterous. But the problem is, go go ahead. I I really do. I think that uh, the National Archives, uh, you know, that's the museum of every document that ever existed in America. Uh, Why not Biden's personal files at the University of Delaware, uh, you know, is it a fact that members of his staff have gone through those files in recent weeks and months looking for Tara Reid allegations, uh, that they've had uh, unfettered access to those files and the ability to edit what's in there? I think that it's uh, 
uh, there's an, an outrage brewing there. It, it, will, it, it will be a fact matter whether or not there was a complaint filed. I think, uh, Brian, that the most compelling piece of evidence that I have heard is the Larry King show where you had a caller uh, from San Luis Obispo where uh, Tara Reid's mom was living at the time who said she was the mom of a Washington staffer who had been assaulted and was hesitant to go public because she didn't want to ruin her chances to get on with life in Washington, D.C., and she didn't want to damage the reputation of the prominent uh, senator uh, against whom the allegations were lodged. I mean, if that conversation can be vetted. That is to say, can people who knew the mother listen to that tape and say, that's the mother? Uh, I I think that goes a long way toward contemporaneous corroboration that would make the vice president's position very uncomfortable, Brian. Which I find interesting, too, is one of the people said uh, one thing you could do is you mentioned go to the University of Delaware, go to the Biden papers. I think it's the Biden School of Business or Politics. And uh, it turns out there were staffers there last month who were going through the paperwork. I don't know if they were going through for any other reason. It was just coincidence. Or were they pulling a Sandy Berger, grab some pages, stick it in your shorts, and run for the hills? But that looks suspicious, doesn't it? it, it the, the closing of the ranks around the target of the investigation is always suspect. If you have that kind of motion, uh, even as these questions are being asked, where key staffers frantically access an archive that has not been accessed in recent months or years uh, has, has been kind of an afterthought. If, if suddenly they're scurrying in real time to go through those files, who was there with them when that process was happening? Was there a curator or a librarian or you know some objective observer uh, watching that process, or were those files allowed in the hands of the Biden staffers without any kind of supervision. I think that those kinds of fact questions will dominate Joe Biden for the near term. That's what I think, Brian. Very interesting. So I want to move over to Mike Flynn. And, you know, there's some pushback on the Flynn uh, side from The Washington Post and others, uh, people like Andrew Weissman, who say uh, it's laughable to think that these new revelations of these notes do anything to this case except for to basically loosen up, uh, loosen up the restraints on President Trump actually exonerating and pardoning Michael Flynn. I want you to hear what uh, Andrew Weissman, who is the, the guy who did all the work in the Mueller report, Cut 21. I was in the Department of Justice for over 20 years, and I think the way I look at this is is from the parochial point of view of what I think the department is doing, which I think the um, department is trying to soften the blow and make it politically easier for the president to pardon uh, General Flynn. Um, the disclosure of uh, documents from a purported neutral team that is reviewing the Flynn case seems um, kind of laughable uh, to me. Uh, is it laughable to you? I, I think that uh, he, he is outrageous, and it, it, it makes me furious to listen to him. What's the crime here? Uh, General Flynn, the, the national security advisor designate, Talk to Kislyak, the Russian ambassador. Hey, how you doing? How you yep. doing? How you doing? What's up? What's up? Then the FBI, with malice in its heart, seeks out General Flynn, grills him about that meeting. He gets on the defensive, 
he's not uh, aware of the fact that they are coming to trap him, to trip him up. Now the documents reveal they had one of two motives. Either they're going to catch him in a lie, or they're going to force him by humiliation and uh, confrontation to confess, which is ultimately what they did. Confess, your, your life is going to be ruined, your kid's going to be suffering, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to defend yourself. But what was the crime? A conversation with the Russian ambassador? With someone alleging that Flynn was undermining the democracy? I think it is absolutely outrageous. General Flynn should be pardoned. But before he's pardoned, Judge Sullivan, who knows what went down here, should make, these, make that uh, vacate the guilty plea, and let's start. Let's start from from square one now. Okay, government, do you want to prosecute this man on those allegations? Because there's no crime. There's no crime. The crime was the process crime that you, the FBI, created when you confronted, when you ambushed this patriot for reasons that you wanted to get Donald Trump. That's what this is about. This is about getting Donald Trump vacating the 2016 election it is infuriating to me that of all the people manafort's a sleazebag you know i don't i don't give a damn about manafort although even there i think that he was treated egregiously uh, roger stone same thing but but uh, michael flynn who, who did so much for his country he was in afghanistan he was in all these places for us and for him to be taken down by bureaucrats who were motivated by their hatred of the president, and they wanted the president out, and this is right. part of that same phony baloney, well, Russia, Russia, Russia. Yeah. I, I got to take a break, but I want to hear somebody else push back. Uh, the Washington, I'm sure many people did, but the Washington Post, this guy, Randall uh, Eliasson, writes, the claim that Flynn was set up assumes that there was no legitimate reason for the interview. It was all just a trap. That plainly is not true. Flynn was a critical witness in a highly sensitive investigation. The FBI knew he had at least some contacts with the Russian ambassador while working for Trump, even though agents had a recording of a call between Flynn and the ambassador. An interview was essential to ask the many follow-up questions like who was on the call, who told you to make the call, were there any other calls or were there any other meetings? Your reaction? What about the call? What about this call? How you doing? How you doing? Uh, you know, I can't wait till I can do business with you out in the open. Uh, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's have a good time and make peace on earth. You know, it, there's, there's courtesy. There's, you know, informality at a certain level. There's nothing in this allegation that they're plotting that, okay, I'm going to give you the nuclear secrets. If you meet me next Wednesday, I'll tell you uh, how we've programmed uh, uh, to attack the Crimea. You know, it's nothing like that. It's BS, Brian. It's BS. They, they, they were flailing around in an investigation that had gotten nowhere uh, based on George Papadopoulos and all that crap and, and uh, flawed uh, uh, FISA warrants and all the rest of it. They're striking out, striking out. Here we got Flynn. Flynn's a, you know, a, you know, a goody two-shoes. All you got to do is confront him. He'll fold like a, you know, like a wet banana. Uh, I just really think that th- this shows the FBI had an agenda. The agenda was to get Flynn and to get to Trump through Flynn. What I would love, and I got to go, but that judge who was so brutal and dismissive and insulting to uh, General Flynn to say, I'm looking at all this stuff, reading it, seeing a new representation. Uh, I apologize. You're free. 
they'll list the way that keeps Trump out of it, it'll keep politics out of it, and that same judge will be converted. That would be the ultimate irony. And maybe even CNN and MSNBC would cover it. Yeah, Doubt it. Right. From your lips say. to God's ears. <laughs> so watch the Fox Nation special with Araldo. I'm listening to some of the clips. They're fantastic. Uh, go order Fox Nation. Uh, it's 99 cents a month for this special. Uh, Geraldo, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Brian, talk to you. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everyone. I appreciate it. I'm going to be doing a virtual uh, book event. Uh, go to KRMG, go to their website and find out details for Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. Like, you know, you can't travel now, shouldn't really travel now. I don't want you coming out in big crowds. Uh, but I do have changed the uh, paperback, so I wanted to be kind of exciting and a reason to get it. Uh, Ron, uh, and actually I was on their morning show today. Uh, Ron's listening on KRMG right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey, Ron. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good, good. So you want to find out what's going on with these senators and their stock investments when it became clear the pandemic was going to change things? Yes, sir. I was kind of curious. So that doesn't seem to be catching much traction, you know. And, yeah, uh, I'm going to have Kelly Loeffler on in five minutes. I have Kelly Loeffler on in five minutes of when I'm going to be on my, one of my first questions. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, you just don't hear anybody talking about it, you know. And... Uh, if there's anybody else, we'd already been locked up or, or something, you know. We've been investigated, at least. Yeah, Senator Burr's caught up in it. Loeffler's caught up in it. Senator Feinstein's caught up in it. Uh, and we know they're going to get information and they're going to look to move money around. I'm not saying they did, but when it became clear that this virus was uncontrollable and our economy was about to crater, uh, did they actually use that information to save themselves money while we all lost? Thank you. Mike, listen on WNDB in Daytona Beach. Mike, Florida. Hey, Brian. As a Trump supporter, I'm more than happy to to point out the hypocrisy of the I believe crowd, you know, the Democrats slash media. But let's get real, Brian. It's Sleepy Joe that we want to be running against. When we have this binary choice on November 3rd, this is the guy we want to have on the other side. He can't even put three sentences together that make sense. Yep, hurt him, don't kill him, right? You don't want to end up going against somebody else, uh, except Bernie. I actually think Bernie's more competent, but his ideas would never resonate with America. I think it'll also hurt Joe Biden because right now only 70%, 77% of Biden's, uh, Bernie supporters will support Biden. That number will lessen. And just a little, a little bit less for Bernie supporters, a little bit more Trump supporters, and it's a big win. But right now Trump is trailing just about every battleground state. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Chinese Communist Party has 
not been forthright. We know that when there were doctors that reported this, they uh, weren't able to speak. We know they've kicked out American journalists. We know that they've tried to cover this up. And then finally, we know that uh, the United States, along with others all across the world, have tried to get in to this place to find out what happened, where it began. The Chinese government has refused to allow those people in to conduct an investigation. Problem. Secretary of State, extremely aggressive. The president, more and more provocative. China, more and more aggressive. Uh, they are not admitting that they poisoned the world and should have national embarrassment on their mind and apology. Instead, they're looking to take advantage of that. That has not skipped the attention of Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, a member of the Senate Joint Economic Committee, too, as we try to stand up our economy again and fight on every level. Uh, Senator, welcome to Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you, Brian. Great to be with you. Senator, first off, about the Secretary of State, he's not just winging it. He is gradually turning up the pressure on every level. The president, more aggressive. What do you think the plan is against China? Well, this is an important question, and you're right. Secretary Pompeo's words are exactly where we need to be. And frankly, President Trump ran on being tough on China. And, you know, we all supported that. But now we know why. We can see it. We see it in our supply chains. We see it in the spread of this virus, and we have to stand up to them. I mean, look, we don't know where this originated. We know it could have come out of a lab. It could have started in the wet market. But they, the fact is, they not only hid it from us, they hid it from their own people. And President Trump was right in enacting that travel ban on January 31st before health officials even were able to warn us that this was going to be the right step to take. So it's very obvious that there is actions needed. That's why I wrote a letter to President Trump, Secretary Pompeo, uh, and letting uh, them know that I support taking action in the second round of trade negotiations and that we need to enforce that first round, that first phase that uh, was so hard fought and the president was able to get a tremendous amount of ground gained back for Americans. I want you to hear part of a report that we had Benjamin Hall do from Europe this morning about what China's actually up to. Not only did they put the screws to the European Union not to put out a uh, release, a communication that said that they are to blame and they have not been transparent, they used economic leverage. They've also threatened Australia, say we're going to stop buying your products if you, if you continue your independent investigation. Uh, but it hasn't stopped there. Listen to this. Cut 48. Any attempt of any form to deny China's sovereignty in the South China Sea will be invalid and doomed to fail. In the last couple of weeks, their navy has sunk a Vietnamese fishing boat and exerted military pressure on their neighbors. The United States strongly opposes China's bullying. Chinese actions are raising concerns. We've got to be concerned that the Chinese military is now out of its leash and might do something extremely belligerent, starting perhaps history's next great conflict. China is also flexing its muscles on other continents, giving with one hand but taking with another. In Africa, it has forced countries struggling with debt and coronavirus, telling Zambia to hand over strategic allies like key mines as collateral or pay the debt. I mean, I just wanted to bring a section of this. I was alarmed in every word. That was just a portion of their action when they should be contrite. Uh, what do you, I mean, do, do you think that your colleagues understand the urgency here? Ryan, that, that's right. I mean, this is a wake-up call. And I do think they, they completely understand. And there's a lot of uh, pieces of legislation being proposed. We've all signed on to several letters. 
I'm so glad we're getting back to Washington on Monday so that we can start addressing this uh, within the Senate. But in the meantime, uh, not only have I written to the president about this, but I've developed a plan called USA Rise. And this is a plan that strengthens our response, helps us get back on our feet by proposing that we have incentives to pull supply chains back from uh, from China. And other countries are seeing this, too, and, and, and as you point out. So there are immediate actions we can take, not just as a government, but in the private sector that says, hey, we need to protect Americans, our economy, and our re- reliance on China needs to be addressed quickly. I don't have to tell you because you just got there, but I know you've been watching the coverage, everything from Kavanaugh's confirmation to Al Franken's career uh, to the attacks on the president, justified or not, uh, the Me Too movement has have made men accountable. But when it comes to Joe Biden, uh, the women that, that went after everybody have believed Joe Biden. I thought a woman is to believed. We don't know what's between Tara Reid and Joe Biden in 1993. Nobody does, probably except those two. So Joe Biden, after ignoring this, said that this a portion of his interview this morning, cut 33. I'm confident there's nothing. No one ever brought it to the attention of me 27 years ago. This is any assertion at all. No one that I'm aware of in my campaign, at, excuse my, my Senate office at the time, is aware of any such uh, request and, uh, uh, or any such complaint. Uh, and, uh, and so the, I, 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 I'm not worried about it at all. If there is a complaint, that's where it would be. That's where it would be filed. Well, what do you think should happen here? Well, I, I mean, the contrast is striking. I, I, I you know, having watched uh, Justice Kavanaugh, what he went through, uh, the media attacks, the, the false accusations, the fake news, uh, the lack of any evidence. Here we're dealing with a situation where there's evidence and no one's asking questions. It's a clear setup. Um, uh, from the media to let give him a pass. There's just tacit agreement, and American people see through this. I mean, this is this is where I think it's a very dangerous game for the media to play uh, on the left, which is uh, protecting uh, a presidential candidate uh, and not holding him to any kind of standard. And and he does need to be held to account. So uh, I guess we'll see where this goes from here in a very complex situation where. Uh, not many people are doing much campaigning. Senator, you want six full years at this job. Uh, so you're running, uh, you're running for the Senate seat that you were appointed to by the governor, right? That's right. So in, in November, we have a what's called a jungle general. Uh, the same day uh, that, that we're going to go vote to reelect President Trump. So I'm in I'm in that campaign right now, though, you know, my focus has really been on on working for Georgia at this time to make sure that we all get through this moment and get back to, you know, more semblance of our normal lives. Uh, right now uh, in the the jungle format, it's uh, Matt Lieberman and Ralph Warnock, Democrats, Doug Collins uh, lead the field with 29 percent of the vote. Uh, you are trailing. Uh, by basically uh, a, a pretty wide margin at this point. And here's what Doug Collins told us earlier today. Well, we're also leading despite the fact that Senator Leffler spent over $11 million attacking me and trying to promote herself. Uh, this is not just nobody not know, knows, does not know who she is. They know who she is, and they just choose 
uh, because we have been the ones that have been fighting for them. We're the ones that actually have a clear, coherent message on how we actually work to take care of our constituents, but also to support the president, to support our, our ticket. And we've been going around with a message of conservatism that didn't actually resonate with people. And, and that's what we've seen all along in this uh, uh, discussion. And it's actually shown out on this poll. And among Republicans, we're up 62 to 18. So you are trailing in the polls. Uh, he feels, Doug Collins does feel like you're attacking him directly. You got the, you were appointed by the governor, but the president wanted Doug Collins to have that job. How do you want to, uh, do you, how do you want to uh, close that gap and win that seat? How do you approach it? Yeah, Brian. So he's right. I'm not a career politician. I think that's why I've been appointed because I'm here to work hard for Georgia. I'm bringing nearly three decades of business experience. Um, look, I, I knew coming into this, I'd be attacked for my success. I, I have been blessed to live the American dream. And I'm working hard to introduce myself to folks around the state and have done that tirelessly since the day I, I was appointed, as well as, as with President Trump. The president didn't know me when I was appointed. I get it. Um, but he and I have developed a great relationship. Uh, we are working on you know, supporting him in so many different ways, uh, just starting with impeachment, you know, that was that was an important thing for me to do to support him in impeachment and then moving on to his economic agenda and now being part of his task force to fight the coronavirus and help us reopen our economy in a safe manner. So I think Georgians are going to see, look, I may be just three and a half, four months into this, but I am uh, deeply into influencing policy that supports Georgians. They will see that. And uh, I look forward to helping the president get reelected in November and to keeping my seat uh, and, and working hard for Georgia. That's why I'm here. And by the way, I'll just let you know, I haven't spent a dollar attacking anyone. Uh, my focus has been on introducing myself because I want people to know that I was born and raised on a farm. I grew up working in the fields. I waitressed through high school and college. I was a job seeker before I became a job creator. And so no one's more in touch with what America is going through today, having fought those battles in the private sector and now bringing that know-how to Washington to solve right. problems, to drain the swamp, to fight off career politicians, the, the stagnant state of affairs in Washington. And we're done with more of the same. And President Trump has been great at demonstrating how important outsiders are to Washington. So the, the thing that I think tripped you up uh, was the accusation that you stole, you sold $18 million worth of stock right before the, uh, the pandemic hit. What's your, what's your ex explanation on that? Well, that's false. So I completely reject the premise that the Daily Beast, a left-wing blog, put out. It's a, it's a blog that attacks the president and his family and his administration every single day. Uh, this, was this was fake news that was taken as real news, just as things we see in the press today, how the, the, uh, the liberal media conspired CNN uh, uh, around uh, General Flynn. I mean, we, we are smarter than that as Americans. And so the facts show that there was no selling around that. I've been very clear. I was uh, from day one, I've invited any level of scrutiny. And, you know, our 
portfolios are managed by outside third parties with no influence from us. There was a mix of buying and selling. The portfolios were not positioned at all for market downtime, downturn, and it was the result of cherry-picking a particular one-stock sale on a day that I had a meeting. No American should have to go through this, but now I realize that I'm up here fighting for everyday Americans to be heard in Washington and to stop the jokes and the games around politics by career politicians, by the liberal media at a time of a pandemic and preying on Americans for political gain. It's just wrong, and I'm going to fight it every single day. Uh, they also have Richard Burr, the accusations, uh, Senator Inhofe and uh, Democratic Senator Feinstein. Have you talked to them about this and or are you just on your own situation? I haven't. Like, Look, I am squarely focused. None of this has distracted me from the work that I'm doing for Georgia. Uh, my focus is on making sure our farmers in Georgia have what they need. Our farmers right now are here in a very difficult situation. They're still waiting the funds from Hurricane Michael in 2018. Uh, they're dealing with a, a flood, a tornado in South Georgia and in North Georgia, two tornadoes. Uh, they're looking at supplying food for 100% of America when only 2% right. of our population farms. These are the issues that people care about. No one cares about fake news generated for political gain. Gotcha. And lastly, Georgia's opened up. Uh, even the president said, I'm not happy with Governor uh, Kemp. I told him it's too, too far too quick. How's it going so far? Look, in Georgia, it's going very well. Uh, I, I think President Trump the governor and I, we all want the same thing. We want Americans to be safe, first and foremost. But we also want to make sure that their livelihoods are in place. And right now, uh, tens of millions of jobs being destroyed in real time, uh, small businesses shutting down. We have got to address this and find a way to, to get back to some semblance of our normal lives in a safe manner because we don't know how long COVID-19 is going to impact our day-to-day -day lives. But we do know that we have to find a way to live with it, to work around it, to protect the most vulnerable, and to make sure our children can get the education they need, that our farmers, right. our truck drivers, and others have the resources they need. So we can help in what, Washington. What is your message, Senator, Senator, what's your Right. What's your answer to the restaurants that haven't opened? At least 50 have said we're not we're not opening, even though they can. That's that's right, Brian. Uh, it's completely their choice to open. And, and restaurants have been among the hardest hit. And restaurants are in varying places of being able to serve, carry out and delivery. Uh, or, or it's just been their decision to keep everyone safe. That's the beautiful thing about America. Uh, I love our freedoms that we have to operate. I love our liberties. I want to protect that. I know the president and the governor want to do the same. Right. 24,000 plus confirmed cases, 1,000 deaths, uh, and Georgia, Colorado leading the charge as uh, America reopens in, in about 18 states today. Uh, thanks, Senator. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Uh, see if you can do your best you can to turn this economy around. Senator Kelly Luffler, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. You got it. one 408 We got your calls and some emails next. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to take your calls right now. We're also trying to squeeze in a more to know. Uh, great to have the center on with us. Uh, but right now she is trailing in, uh, in that Georgia poll. I think Georgia is something Republicans got to worry about. Uh, Braden is nine years old. We barely take callers from this young. Uh, but you're in Denver. Braden, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for calling. You're welcome. So are you home from school? Have to learn at home now? Yep. All right. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So I understand that you got George Washington's Secret Six, uh, George Washington Spies, as a, for a young reader? Yep, I did. What's it like? Did you like it? Yes, I really liked it. Why? Well, I, I just liked it how all these group of people, how they got these documents passed the British without the British ever knowing. It's incredible. I know, and then it was top secret for 100 years. Um, so are you doing okay with this online learning, are you, are you, is, or is it really boring? Sometimes it's kind of boring, but mostly it's actually really fun because I can do some assignments that I kind of want to do. On your own. And, Brayden, real good, uh, real quick, the Thomas Jefferson Tripoli Pirates is now out for young readers uh, like you. I'm holding it up if you're watching Fox Nation so you can grab it. Thanks for your support, Brayden. Appreciate it. Benjamin, listening in uh, Manhattan, WABC. Benjamin. Hi, Brian. Um, I have a, a nightmare scenario for people who support Trump, why Joe Biden would not be a good nominee. Let's say he runs a t- he's nominated, runs a terrible campaign, and five days before right. the election, he drops out for health reasons. Yep. And the National Democratic Committee sim- uh, substitutes Michelle Obama, who has no record to run against, oh. is popular among women, and has the Obama, Obama collection, uh, connection. So I think that would be a, like a terrible, like the worst October surprise ever. Right, for Republicans, because... She wouldn't have a chance to have a record examiner to testify or do anything. Keep in mind, David Pluff told me one month ago, absolutely no way. She wants no part of anything when it comes to politics and running for office. I take his word. And uh, for the Republicans, you can hurt Joe Biden. You should not kill off his candidacy. He's the best thing to ever happen to Donald Trump. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. One of our final hours of the week. And again, thanks so much for being here during this perilous time. Uh, we're going to be watching as uh, the governor's uh, find a microphone we know in New York City, the world, world headquarters is located, but heard around America and beyond. Uh, there is a, the mayor has had his uh, update. He was actually with the governor, which never happens. He beamed into the governor's presser yesterday. The governor teamed up with the former governor, Mayor Bloomberg who's going to handle tracing with Johns Hopkins. And they say they got this complicated multi-step plan to reopen the state. It's going to get very frustrating for a lot of people. That's why there's going to be protests in front of uh, the, uh, the state house today in New York, in front of Washington's uh, uh, White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. There'll be protests there. Uh, protests in Maryland. Governor 
Hogan is feeling the pressure to reopen. There's protests in North Carolina where the protesters are being really cracked down on, according to some of my emailers. Uh, So uh, people are getting a little edgy. Uh, They want to pick up the pace a little. So uh, I have to talk to, I'm going to, to, I have to. I'm going to be talking to Shannon Bream shortly, then Daryl Issa about what's going on in California, and the fair and balanced Fox News contributor Steve Hayes. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three, did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Good. Case closed. Joe Biden breaks his silence about the sexual allegations from 1993. His supporters are swimming through an ocean of hypocrisy. Have already said they believe him and not Tara Reid, even though they know nothing about the case. We'll talk. Number two. The FBI didn't follow protocols and went so far as to go and question him with a motive in mind. General Flynn has literally lost everything. It's wrong. It's corrupt. And someone needs to pay. Michael Flynn, closer to justice, will tell you the new evidence showing he possibly was set up. And the best of the best weigh in on the fate of the three-star general. Number one. The fact that we're premising an enormously consequential set of policies that have shut down the economy Mm -hmm. on that hope, we cannot wait to reopen the economy for a vaccine. We have to reopen the economy today. Wow. Uh, Reopening to a degree. uh, That is a reopening day, I should say. In most states, let's hope the long road to normalcy has begun, while some states keep stay at home intact despite the backlash. And in one beach in particular, in Newport, Huntington, everything in Orange County, it's going to be closed this weekend because the governor didn't like the way they acted last weekend. Joining us now, a woman that did not spend last weekend on the beach, Shannon Breen, Fox News uh, chief legal correspondent and author of um, uh, an author of The Art of Chasing What Matters, Finding the Bright Side. Shannon, welcome. Hey, I wish I was on the beach, but no, sadly, you are correct. That did not happen. How wrong is that? The governor comes out and says, I'm going to shut down the beaches. Um, not San Diego, not Malibu, not San Francisco, not Santa Cruz. Just that enclave where the conservatives surf. What's she thinking? Well, yeah, and you know our buddy Harmeet Dillon, who is an attorney out there who's on quite a bit. She has, I mean, he's making her a cottage industry because every time he comes out with something, he's closing churches, he's closing businesses, he's closing beaches. Um, she pushes back and says, you may not want us to surf, but we're not your serfs with an E. You can't tell us what to do. Uh, that's outside of the bounds of regular um, a permissible power. There are constitutional barriers um, you know, freedom of assembly and all, all kinds of other things, the government has to show a really, you know, overriding um, government interest if you're going to crack down on people's um, liberties and constitutional rights. And, um, you know, she said it very well that she'll see him in court on the beaches, too. And we saw that a number of the localities there in that area held emergency meetings last night, voted to go ahead and proceed in lawsuits against him. So we'll see where they go. Yeah, the city votes uh, to legally challenge Newsom's beach closures order. The council voted five to two to take any and all legal actions necessary to challenge his order. Evidently, San Diego was going to be part of that. They lobbied him and he took them off. So what I found most telling is Newport Beach Police Chief John Lewis and Fire Chief Jeff Boyles said in a statement Thursday that they were out patrolling last weekend and most city residents and visitors were keeping their distance. 
What we observed from land and by air was the vast majority of beachgoers practiced social distancing. Lifeguards and said most people appear to be heeding the social distance safety rules. I'm just looking at the video as a civilian, not a social distance or surfing expert or a beach expert, although I do like sandcastles. I like to look at them, but I don't like to make them. I'm wondering what, what he's looking at. Was he looking at some spring break footage from the 1970s? Why, where does he get off doing this? I guess we're going to about to find out. If you are in Orange County, a conservative enclave, you got to wonder if this is politically motivated. Well, I mean, they certainly feel singled out. They feel that way. Yeah. Um, but you're right. If you look at the video, and first of all, we've seen pictures that have been out over the last few weeks that weren't actually accurate to that place or that time. Yeah. You've got to be, you know, really careful. But, yeah, I've seen a lot of the same video and things that you have where people were either together in a family group or the group they're already quarantining with, or they were maintaining their distances. And beaches are big enough that you can do that. I think um, – you really have to have your citizens, your residents, along with you in this, believing that you're acting from a good place, that they are protecting their neighbors. When it seems like just a heavy-fisted crackdown on behavior that's not illegal or dangerous, you lose them. And you need the American people to be with you when you're asking them to do things as tough as they've been asked to do the last few weeks. So I think um, there are worries there that it blows up a lot of the goodwill if he feels like he's just going to you know, clamp down on all kinds of people willy-nilly. And especially when it seems to end up in the most conservative areas, you know you're going to get pushed back. Right. You know. 430, the market is down 430 points. We have 30 million unemployed. And the, uh, Nancy Pelosi is queuing up another trillion-dollar rescue package. Uh, and, of course, the states want to be directly bailed out. Andrew Cuomo is calling out anyone that questions his motives. Listen to what he said to Senator Rick Scott yesterday, the former governor of, of Florida. Cut 11. Senator Scott, Florida, you're going to bail us out? You take out $30 billion more every year than you pay in. How dare they? How dare they when those are the facts? How long are you going to play the American people and assume they're stupid? They are not. Well, he knows he's losing a whole lot of New Yorkers to Florida. He does not yep. like that the governor, when he was there, was pulling uh, businesses out directly. Uh, he says they've always been mm-hmm. at odds. But he also says that the governor's not being accurate. Listen to how he explained it, uh, Senator Rick Scott, with us on Fox & Friends. Cut 13. He doesn't understand the difference between state policy and federal policy. Here's the deal. What people do in New York, they make some money. They pay into Social Security. They pay into Medicare. And guess what? They get sick and tired of all those taxes, and they move to Florida, and eventually they receive their Social Security Medicare uh, payments, their benefits. And then he says that, some, that somehow is that, that they're paying, you know, his citizens paid in for a benefit that they decide to receive in another state. Well, I'll give you an example of Medicaid. He gets paid out of the federal government almost double per Medicaid recipient than what Florida gets. Double. I mean, he can't balance a budget. He's, he's just mad because he keeps losing. It's getting personal, but they oh should be factual. So that's we're going to get the individual states bail, state bailouts. But that's where, you know, Governor Scott had to make some tough decisions. A lot of these Republican governors to cut programs because they couldn't afford it. They don't cut anything in New York, Shannon. They keep adding it and make you feel guilty uh, for even complaining about paying the taxes. 
Yeah, and I remember living there for a year when I was doing the morning show with Bill Hemmer for a bit. And, by the way, he said very nice things about you. Um, it was ridiculous, the tax bill that I got living in New York for one year. And, I mean, I've lived in D.C. and all kinds of other places, but I grew up, born and raised in Florida. We have no state income tax down there. So, of course, that's going to be attractive to businesses, to retirees, to anybody who wants to keep more of their own money in their pocket. So there's always going to be this clash between New York and Florida. But the tax burden in New York is no joke. You got a lot of people, so you've got a lot of revenue coming in. But like, just like in Washington, where they overspend like crazy and we're constantly in debt, you have to make tough decisions, and no one wants to do it because then you get the uh, Paul Ryan pushing grandma off the cliff in a wheelchair ad when you try to touch entitlements or you know certain programs, and you know yep. nobody likes to do it, and so it doesn't get done. We had some fun. We're watching these series, uh, The Last Dance with uh, the Bowls uh, featuring Michael Jordan. Love this it. documentary, even though we lived it, we're getting insight like we never got before. Here's a little of the documentary series we both love, Cut 54. Clyde was a threat. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't a threat. But me being compared to him, I took offense to that. I'm working for NBC. I'm covering the finals. So the night before game one, we were at Michael's house playing cards. And he said, you know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to give it to this dude. Michael didn't want anybody to have nothing over him. <laughs> what, what are you gleaning from this? I mean, we know so much about Jordan. What are you getting from this you didn't know before or getting underlined? Um, oh, my gosh. I'm just enjoying it so much. I did forget how crazy Dennis Rodman is. I mean, I know that the image and stuff, but the fact like disappearing for days at a time and all that kind of stuff, it's sort of like, whoa, yeah, this wasn't just like, oh, he's a kooky character. I mean, he was out there. Um, but just so interesting to see how these different personalities work together to do the amazing things that they did. Um, the rivalries, I, it just, it's been fascinating to me. And because we have no live, new, fresh sports, I think, you know, they were brilliant to get this out as quickly as they did, and the Breams are mesmerized. It's Sunday night appointment viewing for us. You got it. Uh, Shannon, I'll look forward to your update next week. We'll make sure to start with the last dance first, okay? Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, what? Have a great weekend. Watch Shannon tonight. You too. Watch Shannon tonight at 11, Fox News at night. When we come back, uh, Congressman Darrell Issa. He wants a congressional seat back, but he's also a guy who knows business. He understands the economy. He understands politics. And he also knows what it's like when a governor tries to close a beach. He has no business closing. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. So we're going to do a hard close uh, in that part of the state, just in the Orange County area. Specific issues on some of those beaches have raised alarm bells. Uh, people that are congregating there that weren't practicing uh, physical distancing. And so we're going to have a temporary pause on, on the beaches down there. Really? Oh, in the Orange County beaches, where the fire department and police department say there was no problem. They walked and saw the beach from above. 
in helicopters. Joining us now, Congressman uh, Daryl Issa. Uh, he wants to get back in the business. Uh, he's a former House Oversight uh, Committee member, but he's over in San Diego now. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. What do you think of the governor's decision? Well, I, uh, I both texted him and tweeted yesterday that it was wrong-minded when he initially wanted to close all state beaches. Uh, sometimes a lesser wrong is still a wrong. Uh, in the case of Manhattan Beach and Newport Beach, what he's doing is he's looking at what he saw on television and making a decision from Sacramento, uh, as you said, uh, or was, was said leading into this, the fact is that the local authorities did not believe they were violating uh, the uh, distancing order, and there's no basis for a governor. Uh, there's a basis for a governor saying, no, I want to define that a little more narrowly for what distancing is. That'd be fine. But the idea that he is going to uh, close beaches uh, punitively because he doesn't like the people of Orange County, uh, who, by the way, don't vote for him, uh, is just simply wrong-minded. Uh, hopefully he's going to, in the next day or so, at, because he can be very flexible in his own strange way, uh, make this flexible change and go, okay, well, now we're done. But having said that, Brian, we have to get back to people's rights being respected and, uh, and people being reasonably understood that uh, this, this uh, economy needs to get going again. We don't have a choice. I mean, when, when are they going to realize that? There is no good choice. I mean, we know there's going to be a risk. We've got to mitigate the risk. We've got to get back to work. We're not going to have a country left. You're somebody who grew up in business. You made your wage away. You served in the military, served in Congress. So you know what it's like to have the keys to a company and also know what it's like to legislate. How disappointed, if at all, are you that the House chose to go home and the Senate is going back to work? Well, that's Nancy Pelosi telling Kevin McCarthy, no, we're not coming back to work, even though the Senate is coming back next week. Uh, Leader McCarthy is continuing to object to that uh, publicly and privately uh, because we do need to get back to work. Brian, one of the things your listeners are just now realizing is what we didn't know initially about this disease caused us to shut it down, uh, shut down our economy. And that includes what China was withholding. Today, though, we know that people under 45, less than 1,000 have died. People under 25, less than 100 have died. We know that this is much more dangerous for the elderly and the affirmed. Over 80% of the people who have died have been uh, you know, over 65. Most have had health problems. We know who to protect and how to protect them now. That means that when we send people back to work, we don't need 100% no infection in order to have virtually no loss of life. Those facts are undeniable. It's the reason the president is pushing governors to do the right thing and to safely go back to work. So let's talk about politics for a second. I know you have, uh, you're you going to be running, uh, Daryl, you're going to be uh, squaring off with Democratic challenger Amar Kampa Najir. I believe that's how you say her name. As you effort to fill Duncan Hunter's seat, a longtime Republican seat, his dad had it prior. The bigger story today is Joe Biden came out for the first time because no press has asked him, unbelievably, about a sexual allegation from 1993. Here's a little of his explanation. Cut 35. 
I'm not going to question her motive. I'm not going to get into that at all. I don't know why she's saying this. I don't know why after 27 years, all of a sudden this gets raised. I don't understand it. But I'm not going to go in and question her motive. I'm not going to attack her. She has a right to say whatever she wants to say. But I have a right to say, look at the facts. Check it out. Find out whether any of what she says is asserted or true. And based on the investigations that have taken place so far, to the best of my knowledge, by two major papers, they interviewed dozens of my staff members, not just senior staff, but staff members, I'm told. At least that's what they said. And... Nobody. This was not the atmosphere in my office at all. So uh, case closed. You know, if uh, if a Republican was ever given 15 days to come up with an answer, he'd probably come up (laughs) with a much better answer than some of the inaccuracies that uh, Vice President Biden just said. First of all, The New York Times, anyone can read it online. Uh, They didn't give him a clean bill of health. Second of all, uh, during these 15 days, he st- sent staff over to the university to pull from the archives materials that apparently he doesn't want people to see related to this. Uh, and he hasn't made uh, this woman's complaint available publicly. And uh, and that's what's being asked for. Uh, the uh, the fact is that uh, uh, hang on a second. I'm going to. I'm going to walk away from yeah. that because I can't make it stop ringing. Uh, because <laughs> he, he's not willing oh. to do the right thing, which is to make the, uh, uh, these facts available. Look, we have a recording gotcha. on Larry King of his mother calling. We have a, I know. Uh, I don't think it's going away. Congressman, thanks so much. You're up against a hard break. Uh, best of luck in your race and in California. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The only thing I could do is from 40,000 feet, just continue to urge the ones who don't have that capability to really go very slowly. And those that do go ahead and go by the guidelines. The guidelines are very, very explicit and very clear. There's a lot of leeway because we give the governors the opportunity to be very flexible. But you have to have the core principles of the guidelines. You can't just leap over things and get into a situation where you're really tempting a rebound. That's the thing I get concerned about. I hope they don't do that. Uh, That is obviously Anthony Fauci, not Brad Pitt, uh, talking about uh, talking about uh, the worry he has that these states are going too quick. But he also was optimistic that January we could be seeing a vaccine. Uh, Steve Hayes, uh, we've talked about a lot of issues as you start and launch the dispatch at a critical time in our country's history. I've never talked to you about what would happen if a pandemic uh, infected 184 countries and brought our economy to its knees. Do you, what do you think of Fauci's warning there? And if you're a governor, is it still worth the risk to start this phase reopening? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's smart for the president to defer to Anthony Fauci. I mean, this is somebody who's been working on these issues for literally decades, who knows the stuff as well as anybody alive, and who I think ha- has shown in his public comments and in his discussions with, uh, you know, media folks kind of across the spectrum, the kind of balance you'd want to see. Um, he's, he understands and acknowledges the, the tremendous economic strain that um, these lockdowns or partial lockdowns are putting on states and localities and the national economy more broadly. But I think, you know, his argument that the way through this is to defeat the virus or to get past the, the worst stages of the virus is, is a pretty compelling one. Yeah, um, when the governor of Georgia does it, the president I was surprised me last week and said, it's too quick. Colorado's doing the same thing. And uh, now here comes Oklahoma, uh, very significant openings. We're seeing this more and more, 18 states, some sort of opening. I don't think we have the benefit of waiting. When you look at these numbers and the ramifications of, of the damage it's doing to 30 million Americans out of work and countless more, that have watched their lives ground to a halt. Do you agree with me? I just, I, I think there has to be th- this balance. And the, the question, I think, and it's a, it's, a, it's a live question right now, I mean, we're going to see this and we'll start to get answers in these states in the coming weeks, is if you go too early, do you exacerbate the, the problems that we're seeing? Do you, do you risk not quite a second wave now, but backsliding on the progress that we've made because of the lockdowns. And that would be the worst possible outcome, right? I mean, if you extend the lockdowns more and you start to see the, the you know, the, not only the flattening of the curve, but the reversing of the curve, then you get to the point where you might be able to really open up in a much more significant way, in a way that countries that have had success doing this are already doing, like South Korea, like New Zealand, and some others. The, I think the big concern is if you do these partial openings. Um, and I'm talking here just to be clear about, you know, more extensive openings than letting people go to the beach or letting people go to the park. If you do those partial openings and they uh, sort of contribute to the additional spread of the virus itself, that I think will be a bad outcome because we'll see as the numbers in, increase, whether there are additional government mandated lockdowns or not, I think we'll see the populace look around and say, okay, well, we're not going back out. We're not going to do this. And that would be, that really would be, I think, catastrophic. So let's talk about another area of your expertise, and that's foreign relations, international challenges, and that is China. Uh, the President of the United States has uh, gradually amped up his, dis, uh, his dissatisfaction with how they've acted and what they've done. But the Secretary of State's been extremely aggressive. And by the way, so has China. Here's the president of yesterday when he was questioned about where this virus started. Cut 45. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves because they're like the public relations agency for China. And this country pays them almost $500 million a year. And China pays them $38 million a year. And uh, whether it's a lot or more, it doesn't matter. It's still, right. they so should be the, making excuses. You got the, the with the president. You got the, it was a more relaxed president yesterday. 
uh, uh, handling that question from John Roberts. Where do you stand on this and the takedown on the WHO? Well, I think the, the president is right to be as critical as he has been of the WHO. I mean, there's no question that at the beginning part of this uh, pandemic, the WHO, uh, you know, I think both covered for China and its lack of provision of good information, the fact that China was not being transparent, the things that we knew and that were being reported widely in Western press about what China was doing to intimidate doctors and health professionals who wanted to speak out about the transmissibility of, of this virus, uh, that wasn't a secret. And the WHO was basically getting China's back uh, all the, the entire time that was happening. I think that's a stain on the WHO. I think it's appropriate to revisit our, our funding. I'm not sure that I would suspend our funding at this point, but I think you could certainly um, condition it more on insisting on the kind of trans uh, transparency that we need to see and, and pushing China. Um, you, you worry if we just withdraw from the WHO, uh, does China then step in and fill that void? If part of our great power competition with China is for influence and maybe even control of some of these international organizations um, that so many other countries are, are part of, then it's important for us to keep fighting in, that, in those contexts. Now, you may reach a conclusion that some of these organizations are just beyond repair and you have no choice but to bail. I think we're probably better off uh, on balance actually having those fights within those organizations and making sure that we prevail. Yeah, uh, big picture. China is using this as an opportunity to spread their influence, which is unthinkable uh, and immoral. Uh, they blew up a, a, uh, a Vietnam fishing boat that was in the area looking to extend their, uh, their autonomy yes. in the South China Sea. They're looking yes. to intimidate the European Union not to put out any communications that blames them for the virus. And the EU actually gave in. So... Yep. As you yep. see, they're, they're calling their collateral and these, uh, these poor African nations taking over copper mines when they can't pay their bills. Do you see a comp- Is that part of the reason why you see a strategic ramping up of the aggressive behavior from our secretary of state? Do you see a plan to push back? Yeah, look, I mean, I think the State Department has actually been reasonably tough. The, the State Department and the administration broadly has been tougher on China and President Xi than President Trump's rhetoric would suggest. I mean, you know, you, you can go back and you look at the kinds of things that President Trump was saying over the first six weeks of this. And he was, too. I mean, in some ways, his public rhetoric was mirroring the kind of China-friendly rhetoric that we were seeing from the WHO. So there was a bit of a disconnect between what the administration was actually doing on a policy level and the rhetoric that we were getting from the president in the White House. I do think it's appropriate to continue to be tough on, on China. And I think, you know, th- this is an area where the, I think that the media, the mainstream media or the legacy media, really has to ask itself some hard questions. I mean, obviously, you and I know that, that there's a built-in sort of deep skepticism of Donald Trump and his presidency and, and the kinds of claims that he makes, the kinds of arguments that he makes. I, I probably think that's more warranted than, than you do, but it, it exists. What can happen from some of these organizations is to, you know, in effect, um, echo or amplify Chinese government propaganda because they're, I know. they don't like Donald Trump. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And there was, a, there was an interview that um, an NBC reporter did uh, within the past couple of days of a senior Chinese government official about all of this, about all of this, right? And, and maybe she asked him, this government official, 
about the uh, insidious claims that the Chinese government has made that the United States was the origin of this and that it might have been escaped from a lab with the U.S. Army. Basically, this, this total BS propaganda that China is injecting into the information lines across the globe, blaming the United States totally without evidence. And could you imagine doing an interview with a senior Chinese official and not asking about that? I mean, these no. are the kinds of things that require our media to to treat the please treat the, the communist Chinese who we know are lying about these things with at least the same degree of skepticism that you treat Donald Trump. Right. I have not seen the adversarial relationship you describe against Donald Trump in the media. I'm going to have to re-listen to some of these tapes that you're discussing. <laughs> I haven't detected it, Steve, but I'm going to go with your word. I have to take Why a second source. Wrong, I think you're getting... Yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> you are human. Yeah, because you can look at the nuances that I can't really spot because you're in Washington. Uh, so <laughs> let's, let's pivot to Michael Flynn uh, because I want to get away from controversy. Uh, the three-star general is getting a reprieve and a revisit as he switches his defense team. I watched, uh, I read in the Washington Post that nothing's changed. I see, uh, I see from others that this is no big deal. And then you have Andy McCarthy uh, weigh in about what he thinks was really going on there now that we see some of this communication among Peter Strzok, Andy McCabe, uh, Bill Priestep, and, uh, and, and FBI Director Comey. Cut 22. You have to understand that Flynn was not the objective, he was the obstacle. Uh, Trump comes into office with really a bunch of novices around him. Flynn was unusual in that he was a seasoned intelligence professional. Uh, There were not a lot of people like that on the White House staff. Why is that important? Well, what what is the Obama administration and its holdover officials, what do they want to do? They want to continue the investigation because the quarry here is not Flynn, it's Trump. So in order to continue the investigation while Trump is president, they have to be able to conduct it under circumstances where the president has the power to cut it off. Do you agree with that storyline? Yeah, I mean, I think I think broadly, Eddie makes some some good points in there. I mean, this is a case where I think the newly emerging information certainly um, reflects badly on the FBI and has potentially has pretty significant political import. I mean, you look at the the, the memos that were released um, and and the the discussions among FBI officials. And we don't know who wrote these things. We don't know what conversations they were characterizing. There's a lot more it would be helpful to learn about them. But just the just the mere mention of the possibility of getting Mike Flynn fired as a potential objective of a of a legal inquiry makes no sense. Now, you know, the, the defenders of the FBI have said, uh, well, you know, that that phrase could have been just a hypothetical. And maybe they were just raising that to push back on it and say, hey, that's not what we should be doing. It's, uh, that's not the way I read. I think that's not a totally implausible reading of the documents. It's certainly not the way the documents read to me. And again, I think it's, it's problematic in any case to have the FBI discussing uh, a potential outcome of an investigation, of a legal investigation, being the dismissal of uh, somebody who's appointed by the president of the United States who was elected by the American people. I think it's improper. Steve, don't you think if you take a, a step back, go, wait a second, 
Barack Obama said two things to the president on the transition. Look out for North Korea, North Korea. And I, I, you know, and I, I can't write, look out for Michael Flynn. Really? Uh, I know he said other things, but those are the two takeaways that most people agree that Barack Obama said. And he was the one who fired him in, 20, uh, in 2012, in 2014, after hiring him in 2012. We know that he, like Mattis, was a critic of the president, President Obama. So do you believe that, as KT McFarland said, that he was going to go up there and he was going to turn over the tables and he was going to gut the place in intelligence? Or do you believe that he was just a guy that was standing in the way of Donald Trump? Or do you believe he was corrupt and, and they just were worried about the welfare of the nation? So I, I think the, the kind, some of the, the documents that we've seen suggest that they, that they were, you know, in, in, the, in sort of colloquial terms, out to get Mike Flynn. I, mean, I think that, that is, you can point to the documents. That's what I think. Point to, the, to the language. Having said that, I mean, two, two quick points. Go back to the, the, the time in the 2011, 2012, 2013 time frame when President Obama and his team was making the case to the country in the lead up to the election, uh, the 2012 re-election campaign, and then in its aftermath, that al-Qaeda was a spent force, that we, we got Osama bin Laden, we didn't really have to worry about al-Qaeda yes. that much. Yes. And then you had the president saying, you know, well, ISIS was a JV squad. One person in the intel community who was speaking out against that, both in internal conversations and eventually in external conversations, was Mike Flynn. He stood up and said, absolutely not, that is totally wrong. The data that we're seeing, the numbers that we're looking at, uh, suggest that you're wrong, Mr. President. And Mike Flynn was right. There's no question about it now. Having said all of that, I do think there are things that Mike Flynn has to answer for with respect to his conversations with Russians, with respect to his uh, dealings with the Turkish government, or, or at least Turkish-friendly people. Yeah, uh, that Turkish government-friendly people. Yeah. There, are, there are real questions there. And look, I mean, when he quit, he took a plea deal because he he felt like he had to take a plea deal. And the president tweeted that he, he had to ask Mike Flynn to leave because Mike Flynn hadn't been honest with the vice president of the United States. So there's a there there, but I do think that these documents are helpful in giving us sort of a fuller picture of what actually happened. Right. And Q's factor in two, he was vehemently against the Iranian deal. They were worried about the Iranian deal now that Hillary Clinton lost. And they perhaps thought the first thing Flynn was going to do is tear that up. Little did he know, everybody with Trump wanted to tear it up just about except General Kelly. Uh, And I think Jared, maybe, I'm not sure, maybe Kushner. Um, Hey, uh, Steve, we always have deep intellectual conversations. You know why? Because we can't talk sports and because there is no more sports, <laughs> at least for now. Uh, so we're going to try to keep it high on a different level until we can get it low and talk about games, especially soccer again. Is that all right? I'm with you. I'm with you. Soon, let's hope. Fingers all right. crossed. I know, but they're never letting the, they're never letting the thumb off uh, D.C., it seems. Uh, by the way, uh, pick up the dispatch. He's editor and CEO of the dispatch with Jonah Goldberg. But we know Steve does most of the work. Steve, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks, Brian. <laughs> Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for listening all week long. And keep in mind, uh, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, comes out on paperback uh, May 12th. And Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates. If you got a youngster in your house, fourth grade to eighth grade, they 
they made it for young readers, which I think is really cool. I didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, they had experts do that. They really understand education. And with the last minute, let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Little League World Series is canceled for the first time since uh, since it's impossible to hold any events. That's kind of sad. Next, Denver Broncos star linebacker Von Miller first tweeted that he was positive for the coronavirus. Now says he has tested negative. Good job. The NBA team execs and agents are calling for the league to cancel its season. I texted Mark Cuban and I read. He said, "No way, not yet." And LeBron James says, "Nobody check with me." Next, Notre Dame will. Keep their $13 billion, keep their billion dollars they got from the CARES Act. They have a $13 billion endowment. Uh, They took money anyway. Despite the fact Stanford, Yale, Harvard all gave it back, they plan on holding on to it. And NASCAR, congratulations. On May 17th, you'll be the first major sport to get back in action at the Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. The whole world will be watching. We're tired of watching replays of the draft. Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay safe. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.